Scripture says that the Holy Spirit resides in us, has, has made this tent your temple, God. If there's anything in us that is unclean, anything that is, is sinful, God, I pray that you would just clean us up, God. May that be our prayer throughout this service this morning, is that, that we would have clean hands and pure hearts. It's all because of what you've done, Jesus, that we can even ask that. And so, Lord, we thank you for what you have in store through your word for this morning. Pray that you would be magnified, glorified, exalted, that you would, you would speak so loud this morning, God. Just like Cliff said, our hope is found in you. May we remember that, and may we hold on to that this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we, we pray, amen. Uh, you can turn to Exodus, which is the second book in uh, the Bible, Genesis, Exodus. You don't have to go very far to find it. Um, Exodus chapter 32. Um, Cliff is absolutely right. This year, this last year, um, man, there have been a number of people that have gone through some things. Um, and uh, last year may have been uh, better than 2020, if we look at it that way. 2020, COVID just messed everything up, uh, but 2021, um, personal things, ail- uh, physical ailments, on and on and on, we've, we've gone through uh, the fire, and um, but I love the reminder that our hope is found in Jesus. Um, many of you know Bob, um, Bob who is, I, I call him our official greeter, I mean, you can't, you can't leave this building without being greeted by Bob, like Bob will, he will hunt you down, if you try going out to your car, he will chase after you in his now little walker thingamabobber, uh, but he will get you, he will find you, and he will either give you a big hug, or he, he, he will remind you that the Lord is good, e- either one of those, um, and Bob is just a, an, an amazing uh, and, and a source of encouragement. Um, just hang around him for a little bit. Don't talk politics, uh, but just. <laughs> but uh, uh, he he will love on you. Uh, Bob, uh, unfortunately, I think it was a day after Christmas, um, uh, slipped and fell. In, I'm leaving out some of the details. Slipped, fell, broke his femur, shattered his femur. Um, had surgery with a, a rod and rod and pin in, inserted in. Uh, surgery went well, and he's on the road to recovery, but he could definitely use prayer and encouragement from us, and um, I'm pretty sure Bob will still tell you that he, he's doing good. He's on two feet and walking upright, I guess, but, um, okay, not funny. Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, we, 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 do, we do know that, that, that Bob um, needs needs prayer, and Bob is for sure missed. Uh, many of you may be wondering where he was, and that's where he is. He's on the road to recovery, and, um, and what we want to do for this new year is really implement something uh, just to come alongside of those uh, people that may be experiencing um, loss, sickness, pain, surgery, whatever. Uh, we want to implement what, what we're going to call uh, serving spoons, where we can uh, come alongside of those that might be stuck at home or you fill in the blank, but need a, a helping hand in, in regard to a meal or um, maybe uh, whatever the need is. Anyways, uh, we, we want to start forming this ministry. So um, if that is something that interests you, that, that you would like to participate in with uh, taking meals over to somebody's house, whether they be sick or uh, on the road to recovery, Talk to me afterwards. Um, Bob is not home yet. He will be. And then uh, we definitely want to come 
alongside and help in that area. So, uh, and then also, um, didn't Diane do a great job with announcements? She did. Yeah, she does a much better job than I do. So, um, but I forgot to mention one for her to mention to you all, um, and that is uh, our our potluck Sundays um, are back. So, um, the last Sunday of the month, which um, go look at the date, you'll figure it out. I don't have the date on me right now. Anyways, uh, we're going to do a pasta theme. So spaghetti, cold pasta. Oh, amen. Okay. Pasta, pasta. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> glad that gets you so excited. That is incredible. <laughs> Anyways, you get the hint. Pasta. Bring a pasta dish. Um, and whoever is doing announcements next week, uh, they'll, uh, they'll throw that into announcements. Uh, so, uh, New Year's resolution, right? Um, I saw a joke somewhere, a dog asking another dog, what is New Year's resolution? And the other dog replied, well, it's just a list that you try to keep for the first week of January, right? Um, and that's essentially what it is. We are horrible at keeping these resolutions. I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm going to eat better. And here we're having a pasta-themed potluck. Um, but, but we have these resolutions, and uh, you know, come mid-January, most of the resolutions are, they're gone, they're out, you know, and, and that's okay, and, but the unfortunate side of that is we start to beat ourselves up, like, man, I didn't keep that, that goal I set out to do, and, and uh, uh, scratch your New Year's resolutions. Don't make the list, don't make the 50-item thing, that, that list that you want to do, accomplish whatever. Yes, set goals, I believe in goals, um, but based off of a conversation I actually had with my, my dad through text, um, he asked me the question, do you remember what your, your resolution was for last year? And I said, I'm sure it looks a lot different than what I had mapped it out to be at the beginning of the year. Everything completely changed. And, and, uh, and in short, he, he basically said, well, come up with a word, just, just a word, just a word and land on that word and make that word your theme, if you will, for the year. And and, and I, I have heard of that in the church world before, right? I mean, some churches, they, they adopt this uh, theme or this word for the year. Um, and so uh, I went to a caffeine store uh, the other day, coffee shop. <laughs> um, and, and, I, and I just started praying. Uh, I just started praying, and I, and I was asking the Lord. I, I said, okay, God, if, if you want me to have a word... What word do you want me to have? And, and it didn't come to me like that. And, and this barista didn't come out from behind the counter and just give me one word. And it, it actually happened as I was journaling, as I was writing. And the word that I wrote down, and, and I knew, knew the moment that I wrote this word down, that this, this was my word. Uh, and so I, I wrote this word down. You want to know the word? Uh, okay, the word is deep, right? Deep, deep. I, for me personally, uh, and in all areas of my life, that's where I want to go. I want to go deep. I want to go deep in my relationship with the Lord. I want to go deep with, with my family relationships. I want to go deep as a church. I want to go deep in all areas of my life. I, I don't want to stay on the surface. I want to go deep. And so as, as I was reading Jeremiah uh, when I was at the, the coffee shop, a verse popped out to me, Jeremiah 4.3. It says, break up your fallow ground. And so not among thorns, right? A fallow ground is idle ground. It becomes clumpy and hard. And, and the only way to get it unclumpy and, and uh, to be soft is, is if you break it up. You, you literally have to go in and you have to break up the ground to make it soft. Because if you plant seeds on hard ground, the chances of it growing are not, not very likely. Chances of this seed going deep and taking root in hard ground is not very likely. And so you have to break up this ground and... And so as I was reading this, I was thinking about, about us as a congregation. Uh, I wonder if some of us have that hard ground. Maybe our hearts towards the situation is, is, is hard and, and your, your heart is that fallow ground and, and you just need it broken up. God needs to get in there to soften your heart so he can, he can plant seeds. He can, he can infuse you with, with encouragement to encourage another person, whatever it may be. But, but my prayer for us is that God would break up this idle ground in our life and that we would be able to, to watch 
the seed of God's word go deep into us this year as a church. And so I would encourage you, man, if you are horrible like I am at keeping a New Year's resolution list or whatever, ask God for a word. A- ask him, what, what, what is it, Lord? Maybe it's hope, joy, encouragement, peace, whatever it may be. Ask God to, to show you that. Um, Exodus 32, uh, we're going to read the first six verses. So why don't we go ahead and, and, and stand and uh, we'll read it and we'll pray. We're actually going to go through the whole chapter. I'm not going to read all 35 verses. Uh, did somebody say praise God? Uh, anyways, verse 1. It says, When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. Verse 4, And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf, also known as a cow. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, He built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Lord, this is your word. From Genesis to Revelation, this is your word. Sometimes when we come to your word, we don't always understand it as we should. And so, God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would help us to understand your word, that you would illuminate the text to us, that the text would jump off the page and into our hearts, and that we'd be able just to hear from you through your word. God, we ask that you would move in our hearts, soften our hearts through your word, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can all have a seat. So I've entitled this message this morning, Are you serious? I mean, with the text before us, if you're familiar with this text, I'm pretty sure if we were Moses and in the position of Moses and you got off the mountain, you would ask that very question. Are you serious? Are you serious? Just think about it. Moses is delayed on Mount Sinai. Moses is up there communing with the Lord, having fellowship with the Lord. In verse 1 it says, When the people saw that Moses was delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together. So they were, they were together, and they were probably complaining and, and arguing and probably coming up with, with these assumptions of what Moses was doing. Maybe Moses is just avoiding where we're at because we're in the, the wilderness right now. I mean, I don't know what he's doing, but this guy, he, he's, he's got to get off the mountain. If he doesn't get off the mountain, then we need to figure something else out. And he's meeting with the Lord, and, and, and Moses was on Mount, the Mount Sinai for 40 days. He would have ended up being on this mount for 40 days. Exodus 24, verse 18, it says, Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And guess what? The Israelites grew impatient. Does that ever happen to you? It seems that God is working on something, and it's just taking so long, and you grow impatient. You're like, okay, God, I'm on a, on a time crunch here. You better hurry up. Watch him hurry up. <laughs> But they were impatient. They were growing impatient. And Moses wasn't coming down from the mountain anytime soon. And they did not understand the reason for Moses' delay. Moses was meeting with the Lord. They, they knew that. They, they knew because of the Ten Commandments. Where else did he get the Ten Commandments from other than the Lord? And yet the Israelites in their stubbornness still didn't understand. And so they go to Aaron. And in verse 1 it says, Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. In verse 1, the Israelites look at Aaron and they say, Get up! Get up! It is time to make gods because this God isn't doing anything for us. And they said, Listen, your guy, Moses, this so-called leader, is not doing much of anything either. Well, we don't, we don't know what's become of him. Maybe he's just taking a very, very long nap. I don't know, but we got to do something. And so their solution was, let's make gods. 
Why did they want gods, though? Because ultimately, they wanted these gods to finish what the Lord had began, right? Uh, They were willing to trust in something they made over the someone who made them. Uh, This was sin, ultimately. If you've read the text, and we just read it, uh, making an idol, a, a, a golden cow, as a god was sin. God even said it in Exodus 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. How much more clear can God get? But the Israelites still didn't get it. The Israelites, ultimately in this place in their life, were not serious about their relationship with God. And the question I want to get to later on in this message is, are you, am I, are we serious about our relationship with God? Aaron's idea is interesting. Needless to say. Verse 2, right? Aaron's idea is take off all your gold rings from your wives and your kids and and bring them to me and uh, we'll throw it into the fire and I'll create this cow. A calf. I know it says calf and many of you may may be thinking, well, it's a cute little baby cow. I mean, how harmless could it be? It was a three-year-old cow. Like, go towards Roseville, look at the cows and just picture one of them being golden, right? And how silly would that be to worship that? But that's Aaron's idea. Hey, we're going to worship a cow, a golden one at that. And so I want you to bring all of your gold to me. And what he says, uh, what happens next after he takes the gold, it says in verse 4, And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. So Aaron melts it, gets the gold, melts it, fashions it into a cow, a gold cow. And it seems like, hey, this is a great idea. This was well thought out by Aaron. He, he, he was very crafty, if you will. So much so that he could turn melted gold into a cow. Um, but it was not spirit inspired. It was sin inspired. Aaron knew not to put any other gods before the one true God, and yet he still went off and did it. And do you notice in this, as the Israelites were were asking uh, Aaron for a God, in this instance, Aaron doesn't say anything. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, no, 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 no. Let's go back and remember what one of the commandments is. The very first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. Let's, Let's hold off on this, guys, and let's just wait upon the Lord. Aaron said nothing. Instead, What does he do? He encourages it. Yeah, bring me your gold. Bring it to me. I'll melt it. I'll fashion it. We'll we'll make sure that we get our gods. Listen, at this point in Aaron's leadership, he was not a strong leader. He was a phony leader at that. A phony leader is one who leads by following popular opinion. A bunch of people coming to you and saying, let's let's make gods. Aaron was pressured into this. He, He wanted to be a leader, but he was not the leader at the moment that God called him to be. And most likely, Aaron was flattered by the Israelites' admiration of their work. Like, man, do you see this cow? <laughs> How awesome is this? This is a gold cow. And Aaron and the people of Israel began to worship a cow. Cliff, I don't need cow sound effects today. I'm good. <laughs> Verse 5 through 6, it says, When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Notice Aaron says, A feast to the Lord. I mean, he's saying... Yeah, let's, you know, we still serve God, but, you know, we've just got this little tiny God next to us. So let's just, let's make sure our feast is at least for the Lord, but we can have this little cow God accompany us, right? See, Aaron wasn't necessarily throwing out the Lord. He was, he was saying, the one true God plus another God equals everything. In that moment, that's what Aaron was saying. But if you remember studying uh, Colossians with us, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. No, no other God, no other, no other image, no other relationship, no other uh, this, that, or the other uh, will satisfy you. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus plus nothing 
equals everything. See, adding an idol to your life only places you in the position of turning to that idol and turning your back to the Lord. But I love this conversation. This is where things get a little heated, if you will. Moses is on the mountain and he's conversating with God. He's talking with God. In verse 7 through 10, as they were maybe mid-sentence, I don't know, in in the conversation, God kind of gives Moses some insight. I mean, God is God. He's everywhere. And so, of course, he's going to know what the Israelites are doing. And I wonder if at any point, did the Israelites think they could hide this from God? Like, shh, don't tell God. We're going to make another God because he seems preoccupied with Moses right now. So let's, you know, he won't know. But look what happens in verse 7. And the Lord said to Moses, go down for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, now hold on a second. Do you think the Lord knew what was going on down below? He knew what was going on. He called out everything, even word for word what the Israelites said. He said, Moses, your people. Not his people. He says, your people. Your people are making a mess out of themselves right now. First of all, they made a golden cow, okay? And they said, these are our gods. You think God knew what was going on? Oh, yeah. There's no hiding sin from God. These Israelites were in sin, and God knew it. But it says in verse 9, he says, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. God was saying, their character. Their character is stiff-necked. God was referring to their character. He says, now therefore, let me alone. He's telling Moses. He says, leave me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. At this point, God is saying, I'm going to wipe them out. Like, just burn them all. Like, well, wait a minute. That's not the gracious, kind, loving God that we read about in the New Testament, is it? Like, wait, this God's so angry at what's happening, but in the New Testament, we see God being full of compassion and and grace. Let me stop right there. God hates sin. He hates sin. The Bible says in Hebrews that God is an all-consuming fire, right? If sin gets in God's path, he's going to consume the sin. But as Moses is up on the mountain, like I said, God gives some insight but I love how, how, uh, how God says, your people, they've turned aside. They've quickly gone out of the way that I commanded them. Needless to say, God was, he was angry. He, he, he was upset that these people would turn their backs momentarily, even at that, uh, on him. Matthew Henry says in regards to sin, he says, sin exposes us to the wrath of God and that wrath, if it is lessened by divine mercy, will burn us up like stubble. You remember the story that Jesus tells about the two guys that go into the temple? One guy was a righteous man. He was a Pharisee at that. And the other guy was a tax collector. And the one guy goes in and, and he, he goes in and his prayer is so prideful and so arrogant. And it's just, God, I'm glad I'm not like this guy over here. Right? I'm glad I, I do this, that, and the other. And, and what does the other guy say? The tax collector says, be merciful to me, O God, a sinner. The only way we can be forgiven of our sin is by the mercy of God. That's why he prayed that. God, have mercy on me. I know I'm a sinner. But sin is serious. God hates sin. Why? Because sin leads to eternal death. It leads to eternal separation. If we stay in our sin, if we live in our sin, don't acknowledge that Christ is our Savior. We are headed to hell. Without the forgiveness and recognition that Jesus died for our sins, we're hellbound. But if we acknowledge that Christ died for our sins, that he rose again from the grave and he's coming back, if we acknowledge the truth of who Jesus is, that he's Savior, 
our eternal address can be changed from hell to heaven. But I love this because God's heart is not that people should perish. He, he doesn't want people to die in their sins. 1 Timothy 2.4 God who desires all people to be saved. Do you see that word all? What's his desire is that everyone should be saved. But now it comes to us making a decision. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Do you believe that Jesus is Lord? I, I think so many... Uh, so many people, and, and we may be included on this, so many people recognize Jesus as their Savior. Oh yeah, He's my ticket out of hell, but they don't recognize Him as Lord. But Jesus is Lord and Savior. But God's desire is that we all be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so Moses prays for the people in verses 11 through 14. So God says, listen, Leave me alone that I can just let my wrath loose on these people. Verse 11, but Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent, did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. Verse 14, And the Lord relented from the disaster that He had spoken of bringing on His people. So Moses' prayer is turn from your anger. Relent from it, God. Just don't, don't do it. Now the question is, did Moses change God's mind? It wasn't like, okay, God, like, hold on. Just settle down a little bit, okay? Just calm down. I know your people are sinning against you, uh, but don't do this. Don't, 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 don't do it, Lord. Like, you, you should stay away from it. And, and it wasn't like Moses was trying to do convincing. It wasn't like God didn't know. Like, it, it wasn't like, okay, Moses, you're right. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I repent. If God had said that, it would not go in line with his character. God has no need of repenting. God has no need of saying sorry. Uh, but what does it mean? Now, there's a lot of different positions that people will take on this. And honestly, after studying this, I don't know which position is the right position. So here's the thing that I want to do. I don't want to try to explain how Moses either changed the mind of God or God maybe got... I, because I believe the enemy loves to use God's word to confuse us. He, he, he mishandles the word and he presents the word in such a way that gets us to a place where, okay, can I change God's mind? You could try it. <laughs> it won't work. So what does this mean? It means... That you and I must not try to come to Scripture with a, a finite understanding. Right? God is infinite. His ways are above ours. We may never understand some of the things that we come across in Scripture. Uh, and you might be thinking, well, this is just a cop-out for you not to try to explain the verse. No. It's me saying I'm not going to try to explain something in Scripture that, honestly, I don't understand. I'm not going to explain my way through thinking that I know it. I know it all. Yes, I've studied it. I, I, I get the, the gist of it. But listen, it's okay for, for a pastor, for a ministry leader to say, I don't know. The danger lies within us thinking that we can know God's heart fully. Like, I've got him all dialed down. Yeah, right. He's God Almighty, and you're not, and I'm not. So there's no way for us to understand God's heart fully on this side of heaven. Some things in Scripture remain a mystery. Just get to the book of Revelation. <laughs> then you'll see that that is a mystery. Some things are, are, we just won't get. But here's what I do see in this, is a picture of Jesus. See, throughout Scripture, we are to be looking for Christ, looking for Jesus 
Moses was interceding for the people, asking God not to wipe them out. And he was essentially saying, have mercy on your people, O God. I know what they've done, so have mercy on your people. Forgive your people. And who interceded on our behalf by going to the cross? Jesus. See, he stood in the gap for you and I. He made a way for us to have right standing before God. Because let's face it, when we look at sin and God, God and sin cannot coexist. There is no way. And so with us being sinful humanity that we are, He had to send Jesus to rescue us. And so Jesus ultimately bridging the gap between sinful humanity and a holy God. And when you accept what Jesus did for you, you can be in right standing with Almighty God. Not because of anything that you and I have done, but all because of what Jesus has done for us. And listen, I may not fully understand every single line in Scripture. But the point is this. Throughout Scripture, may our prayer be this. Lord, let us see Jesus through every letter and every word of Scripture. And so Moses heads back down the mountain in verse 15 through 24. He says, Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with two tablets of the testimony in his hand. Tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and on the back they were written. The tablets were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, catch that, Joshua is close by to Moses. Joshua wasn't anywhere near the camp because who would take Moses' place after Moses died? Joshua. Joshua was close. He wanted to see what all this was about. What is, what is Moses doing? How does this relationship work? Like, I, I, I want to know. Listen, if you know somebody who's got a solid relationship with God, who is so spiritually mature, here's my encouragement to you. Hang out with them. Hang around them. Get to know them. Understand how they, they, they pick apart God's word, how they pray, how they encourage someone else, how they minister to someone else. But Joshua is around, and he says, there's a noise of war in the camp. But Moses already knew what was going on because of what God had told him. He said, it is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the, cry, of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. Verse 19, and as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot. And he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf. Listen, this is, this is in the Bible. Like... <laughs> Moses wrote Exodus, right? And in Exodus, he said that he was the most humble man on the earth. Now look what he does. He took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire, ground it into powder, scattered it in the water, and made the people of Israel drink it. So much for humility. I could imagine Moses just going into that camp and just like... I. I the pictures of Moses that we see, he was probably like, it's on. It's on, Israelites. Like, you guys have messed up. You're lucky I'm coming for you and, and not God. Because <laughs> God wanted to wipe you all out. He says, and Moses said to Aaron, notice who he goes to, Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? Aaron was left in charge. And so who did Moses go to? Not the people who said, make us gods, but Aaron, because Aaron was responsible for the people. Who did God go to when Adam and Eve sinned? Adam. Adam was called to lead. Listen, leadership has a heavy responsibility to it. And Aaron, Aaron doesn't quite own up to it. He gives them half the truth, if, if you will. <laughs> he says... And Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord... I'm imagining Aaron like this scared little kid. Like, okay, Moses, like, I, I didn't mean to. But he says, let not the anger of my Lord, Lord burn hot. You know the people. Have you ever heard of blame shifting? You know the people, Moses. They're set out on evil. He says, for they said to me, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. So I said to them, 
Let any who have gold take it off. Listen to what Aaron says next. So they gave it to me. I threw it in the fire, and out came the calf. Just like it happened. Threw it in there, and this cow showed up. Good one, Aaron. And what happens next is quite interesting. Verse 25 through 29, it says, And when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, so they're all scattered around. It says, Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp, so at the entrance of the camp. The gate of the camp was a, 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 a pretty prominent spot within any camp. But he shouts this. I don't think he says it, you know, monotone. I don't think he says, you know, in a whisper-like fashion. He says, he says, who is on the Lord's side? I'm sure he was much louder than that. But he says, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him. And he said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp. And each of you... Kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. How's that for an ordination ceremony? And he says, And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And on that day about 3,000 men of the people fell. And Moses said, Today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord. Each one of one at the cost of his son and of his brother so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. When I got ordained here, I was not told to take my sword and go and kill a bunch of people. Like, that's just, this is interesting. But there's something that we have to look into this. Because when you decide to follow the Lord, listen, there ultimately has to be some separation. Moses was saying, go to all those who have chosen not to come on the Lord's side. He says, and separate yourself from them to, to the extreme. And sometimes for us... We must separate ourselves from those who may eventually pull us back into idol worship. It says in verse 30, Moses goes, up, goes back to pray for the people. And he says, you have sinned a great sin. And now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. And so Moses returned to the Lord and said, alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold, but if now you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. But the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out, my, out of my book, but now go, lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. Verse 35, it says, And the Lord sent a plague on the people because they had made the calf the one <laughs> that Aaron made. Moses was so struck by the depth of these people's sin that he interceded again for these people. He prayed for them again. He said, Lord, they've sinned. It's no secret to you. They have sinned. They're making gods of gold. And he says in verse 32, But now if you will forgive their sin, if not... Please blot me out of your book that you have written. Moses is saying, spare them the punishment. Punish me. That's how much Moses loved these people. See, Moses offered for himself to be blotted out of God's book if it meant his people could be rescued. But ultimately, I think what, what God is saying, saying, Moses, you can't handle it. You cannot handle this punishment, but there is one who can, who I will send, and his name is Jesus. See, Moses was imperfect, he was flawed, and there's no way that he could have bore the punishment of these people. But God already had a rescue plan. God already knew that he was going to, to send Jesus. It wasn't this, oh, man, they've sinned, now what? Let me go back to the drawing board because that wasn't supposed to happen. But God would send Jesus. And listen, God will only blot those names out of his book 
Those who have adulterated His name, blasphemed the Holy Spirit, and deliberately chosen to reject the truth and live in sin. So what are the takeaways for us? Point number one, put God first. See, the Israelites knew God had delivered them from the Egyptians. They knew God had freed them from bondage. Yet they were willing to put a man-made image in the place of God Almighty. So the question is, what is an idol? It's anything that takes the place of God in our lives. It doesn't have to be a golden cow. It could be a relationship. It could be money. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be, it could be an addiction to, to you fill in the blank. It doesn't have to be a golden cow. Anything that takes the place of God in your life is an idol. So in the order of your life, where is God? Is he first? Or do you have something above him? Do you have God like the Israelites had? Or do you also have this golden cow? I've got God, but let me incorporate this over here. See, nothing else can qualify as God in your life. The true God is not only to be number one, but the only one. That's why he said in the first commandment, no other gods before me. There's no other gods that can take the place of God Almighty. You can try, but you'll end up short. So the question is to diagnose what you worship. What do you feel you need for your life to be good? What makes your life worth living? When you dream about the future, what do you dream about obtaining? And where do you go for comfort? Point number two. Put God, put God first, point number one. Point number two, when you do that, stay the course. Stay the course. God told Moses they have turned aside quickly out of the way I commanded them. Exodus 32, verse 6. As they were in a waiting period, these people turned to a different way. They turned to a different course. They went off course. Galatians 1, 6, Paul says, he says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. This different gospel that he is ultimately speaking of is idolatry, idol worship, which gospel meaning good news, really this gospel that people turn to of idol worship is not good news at all. The question is though, when life gets hard or you must wait for something, who are you going to put first and are you going to stay the course? I remember uh, when we lived back in SoCal, uh, we would often drive to our main campus, as they called it, in Riverside. And uh, out in these small cities, I don't think we have very many of them, but are you all familiar with toll roads, right? You have to pay a bunch of money just to go through a gate into a different city. It's quite annoying, to be honest. And so we got up early uh, one morning, and we were headed to Riverside, and uh, my friend James took a wrong turn. And this turn led him to the toll road. He didn't want to pay the toll. And it was about 6 o'clock in the morning, and so he's sitting there at the gate, no cars behind us, just kind of like, well, what do I do now? And he didn't even ask us, and all of a sudden we feel the car backing up on the freeway, on the freeway. Also, he would avoid having to pay the toll. Listen, we learned our lesson that day. Whenever you go off course, there is a toll to pay. <laughs> so stay the course. Lean in to Jesus. Trust Him even when things don't make sense. Because for the Israelites, Moses being on the mountain for 40 days didn't make a whole lot of sense to them. Point number three, are you serious enough to do that which is required? Moses called out, who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. Exodus thirty-two twenty-six. When you decide to follow the Lord... God requires something of us. Decision, right? The Levites saw all that was going around them, and they had to decide, are we going to follow the Lord, or are we going to follow the popular opinion? You and I have to decide that no matter what, we are going to follow Him, even through the wilderness. Decision, action. Moses commanded them to put their swords to use, right? Right? We have to remember this when it comes to following the Lord. Being a Christian uh, is not a playground. Your life is not all of a sudden a bunch of 
blocks like in a parkour whatever gym. Like you don't just go flying into a bunch of blocks and you're fine. It's a, it's a battleground. Like your life becomes a battleground. But listen, God has equipped you with everything you need to fight. His word, prayer, the armor of God, right? He has given us everything we need. And so we must be ready for action. So decision, action, and separation. Moses called these Levites to kill those who were ultimately worshiping idols. Now for our context, the thing the Lord may be asking of you is to separate yourself from someone who has the potential to lead you into idol worship. Here's the thing. Following the Lord is not a game. And I think for some of us, we need to write that somewhere. We need to see it every day. Following the Lord is not just this, okay, everything's fine now. Rainbows and unicorns. And, no, following the Lord is not a game. See, we need to get serious about our relationship with God. You need to decide. You need to, you need to act. And you may even need to separate. So how do I do that? How do I get serious about my relationship with the Lord? Put God first. Stay the course. And do that which is required. Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Listen, church, it is time for all of us, myself included, to follow Jesus more closely and more intimately than we ever have before. Jesus is coming back. And I don't want to be caught worshiping a gold cow. <laughs> I want to be caught in his word or praying or worshiping or, or sharing my faith with somebody. Or loving my, my wife as I should. Or loving my kids as I should. When Jesus comes back, where will you be? Will you be around the altar of that golden calf? Or will you be where God has called you to be? On the straight and narrow. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have this account before us. Uh, Lord, there's some things in, in your word, like I mentioned, that we, we will never understand. We can try our best. We can read as many commentaries as possible. And, and people may have differing, differing opinions and views and others, but Lord, help us not to, uh, to go astray into our own thinking of what your word might say. I pray that we would bank on what your word says in, in its entirety by the, the revealing of your Holy Spirit. Lord, this is a new year, and you have given us this year put you first to stay the course and to do that which is required of us Lord following you is not, not a game Lord and I pray that this year we would take our relationship with you much more seriously God I thank you for your grace and your mercy and for you sending Jesus ultimately being the penalty or paying the penalty for our sin Lord, I pray that if somebody doesn't know you as, as Lord and Savior, not in this room or watching online or who will listen on later down the road, Lord, I pray that they would accept you as Lord and Savior and that they would know that their sins can be forgiven all because of what you've done and how you paid the penalty for our sin. And so, Lord, we thank you. We praise you and we give you all the glory. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let's all stand and we'll close out in a chorus. Um, don't miss next week. Those of you that are watching online, maybe you couldn't make it. I would encourage you to get here um, and just, man, God's going to do a work this year in, in this community church. Um, and so um, next Sunday, we'll see you then. we got a bunch of things going on during the week too. So if you need to be reminded of what they were, go back and listen to the YouTube or Facebook and listen to Diane's announcements. So, God bless you guys. <laughs>
Hello all, and thank you for checking out this episode of the Gray Avenue Christian Church Podcast. For any more information about who we are, uh, feel free to check out our Facebook and our website. Again, thank you for your support, and uh, we will catch you next time. Have a blessed week.